0: Hello to you my dear brothers and sisters at Christ Community Church. I'm so sad that I can't be with you in person this morning, but I rejoice for the technology that is making it so that I'm able to be with you virtually. I'm praying for you as is the congregation of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. I'm standing in the Orland Park CRC sanctuary right now, and as I'm doing it, I just want to assure you of the love that we of Orland Park CRC have for you, our dear brothers and sisters of Christ Community Church. And I look forward to the next time that I preach for you, which will be in person. Today, what I'm going to do is read to us from what is probably my favorite psalm for reading, Psalm 90. It's a beautiful psalm, so let's give our attention to it. Psalm 90, there are 17 verses in this section of Scripture. Let's hear what it is that God's Word has to say. Psalm 90 was written by Moses, and the introduction says that this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, Wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream. Like grass that is renewed in the morning and the morning it flourishes and is renewed in the evening it fades and withers for we are brought to an end by your anger and by your wrath we're dismayed you've set our iniquities before you our secret sins in the light of your presence for all our days pass away under your wrath we bring our years to an end like a sigh the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us and for as many years as we've seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our of our hands. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these powerful words of Psalm 90 and we pray that they would now come alive for us as we hear them preached. We pray if anything that I say doesn't come from you that you make it fall to the ground and pass away and be forgotten. And we pray that everything that is from you would remain and help us to live, to live well, to your honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I still remember the first time that I ever heard the words of Psalm 90. I'd maybe heard them before, but this is the first time I can consciously remember considering the words. I was in fourth grade, and I was having an argument argument with my teacher, Mrs. Dimstra. In the course of the argument, uh, she was talking about the length of life, and she said, You know, Derek, life is very short. And I said something in response, like something like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It feels like it's taken me forever to get to fourth grade. And she said, no, Derek, it actually goes by very, very quickly. The Bible says that. The Bible says that a thousand years are like a day that's just gone by or a watch in the night. She was quoting Psalm 90 to me. And after she did that, she had won the argument. I knew that I couldn't argue with Scripture. I couldn't argue with God's Word. But still, it was hard for me to feel internally as though life went by quickly. It felt like it was very very long. Now, as I have gotten older, I'm no longer in fourth grade. You know, My daughter is now closer to fourth grade than I am. As I've gotten older, those words that Mrs. Dymstra spoke, reflecting the words of Psalm 90, become more and more real to me all the time. Life is short. And that's part of what Psalm 90 tells us. But Psalm 90 tells us that life is also meaningful. And what a beautiful way it explains this to us. It's rich and it's mysterious. It's a psalm of both lament and praise. It's a psalm about death, but it's full of life. It's a psalm that expresses a fear of God and yet a boundless trust in Him. Its message is clear. Life is short. Live. Live well. This morning we're going to be taking a look at the psalm in three different points. And the three points are going to reflect the seeming opposites that persist in Psalm 90. We're going to talk first about how God is distanced from us. He's different from us. He's distinct from us. We're then going to talk in our second point about how God is near to us, how he's close to us. And then we're going to conclude with the way that the psalm concludes by talking about how life is meaningful. So first... God is distanced from us. The psalmist, Moses, here points this out in two ways. The first is that God is eternal and we are temporary. The second is that God is holy and we are sinful. So first, God is eternal and we are temporary. At the very beginning of the psalm, we see that there is birth imagery applied to the earth. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth. The Hebrew word that's used there is a Hebrew word that has to do with conceiving and giving birth to. And so the imagery is this. God was there as the creator of the world, and in comparison to him, the most solid, stable, established feature of geography that you or I might see is like a little baby to him. This is how great and glorious God is. See those massive mountains? Well, those are like little babies when compared to God. The whole earth was brought forth and God was there when it came to be. He was the one that brought it to be. And the psalm continues by saying that from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. In contrast to all of this, you and I are temporary You return men to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Have you ever seen time-lapse photography? Sometimes nature programs will use time-lapse photography, and I think it's pretty cool. You can see a flower spring out of the ground and bloom and then wither and die and recede back into the ground. Psalm 90 gives to us a time-lapse picture of our own life. We're like that grass that in the morning springs up new, but in the evening it's dry and withered. Our lives are as brief as a watch in the night. Life is short. Now, some playwrights have gotten this correct. They've understood this aspect of life being brief. Samuel Beckett, I don't know if you've ever seen the Samuel Beckett uh, play. He wrote a play called Waiting for Godot, which he's the most famous for, for, but he actually has another play called Breath that has been performed more times than Waiting for Godot. Um, it's this play that's been performed the largest amount of times. And um, now, to paint a picture of what the, the play is like, what happens is you want to make sure that you get to the play on time, if you're coming to see Beckett's play, Breath. And it was, you know, made in like the 70s when everything was weird. So. Um, Here's what happens. You, g- you gather in and before COVID you sit shoulder to shoulder and, and there's a curtain that's down on the stage and once the play is set to begin, the curtain comes up and it reveals a stage that's just littered with garbage. It's just covered with garbage. And after you see the garbage-covered stage, you hear a cry of a baby followed by one pained inhale and one pained exhale. After that, the lights go down, the play is done. All told, it's about 33 seconds. It actually took me longer to explain the play right now than the play actually lasts itself. 33-second play, and the meaning of it is not hard for us to discern. What the play is supposed to communicate is this. Life is one pained inhalation, one pained exhalation, and then it's over. It's filled with rubbish and pain, and it's extremely short. Shakespeare will get at the same sort of thing in his famous Scottish play. Life is but a fleeting shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It's a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. What both of these playwrights are getting at is what the beginning part of Psalm 90 is telling us. Life is brief. It's over very quickly, but for Moses, he actually turns the screws a little bit more. Because not only are we temporary, we are also sinful. And verses 7 through 9 remind us of this. That we're brought to the end by God's anger, by his wrath, we're dismayed. He has set our iniquities before him, our secret sins in the light of his presence. He's talking about the secret sins, the sort of things that you believe only exist within your own mind. It's the sort of thing that you've only kept in your own heart, the sort of thing that you've never told anyone. Maybe it's that one thing that was 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago that you were confident no one was ever going to find out about. God knows about it. Even our secret sins are brought to light in his presence. And because of that, we're consumed by his anger and terrified by his indignation. God is a holy God, and therefore he's rightfully angry with our sin. And so this is a desperate picture of life that we're given here at the beginning part of Psalm ninety. It makes sense to me that Moses would write it, right? He is the one that was able to to speak to God, and he asked him, show me your glory, and the Lord said that the fullness of his glory would be too much for Moses, and so instead he hid Moses in the cleft of a rock and passed by and proclaimed his name and allowed Moses to just see the back part of his glory, and even still, after that experience, Moses walked back into the camp of Israel, and he came to their presence and they made him veil his face because his face was radiant, reflecting some of the glory of the Lord God. So great is our God that even the smallest portion of his glory reflected in the face of his servant Moses was too much for the people of Israel to deal with. And they said, cover your face, it's too much for us. The glory of God is too much for us. This is a man uniquely equipped to talk about how enduring and eternal God is and how brief we are, how holy and righteous and glorious God is, and how sinful we are. This is a tough picture that is given to us in Psalm 90. And yet, after all of this, something really strange, truly strange, starts to happen in verse 13. And that is that Moses starts to give God commands. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Return. Satisfy us. Make us glad. Each one of these commands. But the world. I mean, Moses just told us how glorious God is, and now he's giving God commands. It's odd, right? Moses, did you just forget what you've been talking about? You know, verses 1 through 12. Did that just slip your mind because it sounds like you're commanding God to do things now I, I love the Psalms for a whole host of different reasons I love the poetry of the Psalms I love the intimacy of the Psalms and this is one of the things that always strikes me about the Psalms the Psalms tend to be much more reverent than you or I tend to be in our prayers they tend to exalt God more substantially than we do in our prayers they tend to diminish us and elevate our humanness, right? Our, our fallibility, our fallenness. But at the same time, the Psalms are more direct than you and I often are in our own prayers. I mean, how many of us have ever given God commands in our prayers? I mean, it's hard for me to even think about doing it because it, just, it doesn't feel right. And yet, that's the way that we are given here in Psalm 90. God has given commands. Both more exalting of God demeaning of humanity and at the same time more direct than our prayers. This is part of why the Psalms are amazing. It's part of why we've got to know them well. It's part of why we need to pray them. But let me return to that question, right? How is it that Moses could feel as though he could give God commands? Well, I think that the key is found in verse 14 where it says satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That is a Hebrew word. Chesed is the Hebrew word. It's often translated unfailing love or steadfast love. That's one aspect of the word, the love of God, but it would really be best translated as something like covenant loyalty. Now you might be like, why are you giving me a Hebrew lesson right now? Well, I'll I'll tell you. And, And covenant loyalty probably sounds weird also. Like, This is what I'm getting at. What Moses is praying is, okay, God, satisfy us with the fact that you have made a covenant with us and you're always faithful to your covenant. Now, covenants in the Old Testament, they are these times, these important times where God drew especially near to his people. He came especially close to his people and made promises to his people. I will be your God. You will be my my people. These times of covenant are when, when God came close to his people, reminded them that they were his and he was theirs, and God is always faithful to his covenants. Always, always, always faithful to his covenants. Moses knew that God had promised to claim him and his people and never let them go. And he promised this to patriarch after patriarch after patriarch, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he promised it to Moses. And Moses knew God was always faithful to his covenants. This is what gave him the confidence to say, return God, satisfy us, make us glad. This is where the confidence comes from. I wonder if you have ever prayed bold prayers like this. Because the reality is that you and I had it better than Moses or the people of Israel. Because we have seen the fullness of God's fidelity, his faithfulness to his covenants. In the fullness of time, Christ Jesus was born of a virgin. And he lived a perfect life, sinless Life. He went to the cross because of your unfaithfulness and because of my unfaithfulness, because of the unfaithfulness of the people of God, God bore the penalty for our sin and unfaithfulness. This is how faithful he is to his covenants. Covenant loyalty. God has proved his faithfulness again and again and again and again and by doing so has promised us that he will hold on to us and never let us go. He has made us to be a part of his family through the cross and the resurrection. He's placed us into this story. He's enabled us to pray bold prayers along with Moses. God, return! It feels like you've been away for so long. Satisfy us. It feels like we have been filled with so much sorrow. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. It's been hard, God. You can pray bold prayers with Moses, the man of God, because you have been brought by the sheer grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into the family of God. Pray bold prayers. All right. So Psalm 90 has talked about how brief life is. And then the psalm gets, it gets surprising. Psalm 90 will surprise you. There are a bunch of things that are surprising. And this gets to the last point, which is that life is meaningful. All right, two places where Psalm 90 likely surprises you. All right, here's the first. First. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. All right. This is what's surprising. Moses spent all this time talking about how brief we are. How brief life is. If life really is as brief as Moses had told us that it is, why is it that he's telling us to praying? Why is it that he's praying that God would help us to number our days rightly so that we might live wisely? Why does it matter? I mean, if if life really is just like a springing up of grass in the morning and then it withers and dies, if it's over that quickly, why do you need to be wise about it? I mean, it's over like that anyway. Well, it's actually precisely because of how brief life is that we need to pray that God would help us to number our days rightly so that we might live wisely so that we might live well. It's knowing how short life is that helps us to live well. Let me try to illustrate this with a story. When I was younger, the coolest people on our street were the Unruh's because they lived three doors down from us and they had a pool. And from time to time, all throughout the summer, we got to go over to the Unruh's pool. We got to swim along with my friend Billy there in the pool. And after you know, a period of time being there, my mom would make her way from the Brookfield house where we lived. She'd walk down you know to where uh, we were swimming. She'd go to the pool. She'd be like, all right kids, time to come back inside. Time to go home. And every time she came out to do that, we had this brilliant strategy, we would say, mom, just give us five more minutes. Just five more minutes. And my mom would always uh, (laughs) make it seem like this was a really big ask. She'd be like, oh, man. hmm." Okay. Five more minutes. And we would lose our mind with happiness, right? And I've talked to my mom about this since. It turns out she had to go five minutes before we actually had to go back into the house because she knew we were going to ask for five minutes. She was a a wise mom. And this is just a quick parenting tip for all of you. This is a great strategy. It's what I employ with my kids now. I'll be like, all right, go to bed. And my daughter will be like, oh, can we have five more minutes? And I'll be like, let's, okay. And then she's filled with joy, right? But here's the point. In those five minutes before I knew I had to get out of the pool, I swam with the most, like, gusto. I just, I left it all there in the pool, right? I just, those were the best minutes of swimming because, because I knew my time was short. Because I knew my time was short. Psalm 90 is given to us the five-minute warning. It's reminding us, hey, life is short. You got five minutes left. Five minutes left. You're gonna have to get out of the pool. Five minutes left. It's time to go inside. Five minutes left. You're gonna have to go home. You got five minutes. Life is very brief. What are you going to do with the five minutes that you have left? I'm going to tell you whatever it is that you're going to do. You're going to need God to help you to number your days rightly so that you might live wisely and use them well. Five minutes left. Oh God, let us let us use them rightly. Here's the other thing that is surprising about all of this. The last thing that Moses says in this psalm is establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This always gets to me. I wonder what kind of work is Moses asking that God would establish? Like establish our our wandering in the desert? Establish our manna gathering, which characterizes every day. Establish the, the gathering of quail that we sometimes gather whenever you send quail to us after we complain. That work is being established here and yet I'm thankful that Moses prayed it because I know I can pray it too now I don't know about you but sometimes I wonder what God could possibly be doing with my life I'm 36 years old and pastoring is a job where it doesn't feel like you get to see all that much fruit John Piper says that he believes that God actually prevents us from seeing the majority of the fruit that comes from our ministries because it might make ministers proud to see the way that God is making use of the preaching and the ministry that they execute. So Piper says, that's why pastors don't get to see much of the fruit of their ministry. Whatever the reason, I mean, I, this is kind of illustrated right now in a stark sort of way, right? I'm, I'm preaching to you, my, my dear brothers and sisters of Christ Community Church, and I can't see you But even if I could see you, I I wouldn't be able to tell, is there more faith in her heart than 20 minutes ago when the sermon began? Is there more explicit trust in Jesus? Is there more joy in the life that he has given to him than there was at the beginning of the sermon? I can't tell that's why a lot of pastors that I know mow their lawns on Mondays, because it's hard to see any change, Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. I mean, God, what What could you do with a life like mine? And so I've got to pray, well, establish the work of my hands, God. Yes, establish the work of my hands. I could say that if Moses prayed that God might establish the work of a wandering desert people, then I can pray that God would establish your work. In whatever it is that you do, if you swing a hammer or preach the gospel or raise children or administer vaccine shots or care for the dying or get the numbers straight or pick up garbage or pray or every time you tell others about Jesus or you serve the poor or you volunteer at church or you attend a Bible study, all of these things are glorious and meaningful because God is gracious and God establishes our work. And it's beautiful to know that God establishes the work of Israel's hands. At at his final speech in Deuteronomy, Moses looks out over Israel in Deuteronomy 2.7 and says, God has blessed all your work, Israel. God has established their work. All their wanderings were somehow established. It's easy for us to see how that could work out now, isn't it? I mean, God was preserving a people for himself, and from that people the Savior of the world would come. Their work was established. And Christ's work has been established. It's finished. It is finished. Nobody's going to be able to put Christ back into the tomb. And because God is God who establishes work, it means that you can make this your prayer as well. Establish our work in this year, Lord. Establish the work of Christ Community Church and the members of it establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And as we conclude, I just have to say that Psalm 90 is right, that life is very brief. My teacher, Mrs. Dimstra, is right. Life is very brief. It's over in a moment. But I've got to say also that Samuel Beckett and William Shakespeare are only half right. They got that life is over in a moment, but both of them said that it was meaningless or garbage. What I'm here to announce to you today in accord with what Psalm 90 says is that it is extraordinarily meaningful. Life is short, but because it is a life lived before God, a God who listens to bold prayers and establishes work, it is a good one. So this is your five-minute warning. Live well. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that today we would hear the five-minute warning and that you would teach us to number our days rightly so that we might get a heart of wisdom. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you, my dear brothers and sisters of Christ Community Church. God bless you.